Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to keep more of what you have. We are 10 days from Christmas, and we are in the no-deal phase of Christmas shopping, as the retailers know that now they're mostly selling to people who don't really like shopping very much, and it's a chore for many people this close to Christmas who are filling out their nice list. And it's there are people who uh, gravitate, like me, to all those bargains that rolled out from November 4th through the November 30th end of a lot of the sales. And, I mean, that was when the getting was good. But even now, 10 days out, there are certain categories available for items for Christmas that are a deal. First, let me hit you with one particular store deal I want you to know about. And this is one of those things that doesn't reward people who are loyal. It rewards people who have not been loyal. And it's Target's red card special right now that if you sign up for their red card discount program, it costs nothing, saves you 5% on all shopping at Target. You tie it in with your checking account or you get a Target red card credit card. If you sign up for this now, the next $40 you spend on a shopping visit to Target is on them. So basically you get $40 of merchandise for free. If you go to ClarkDeals.com, there's a link to how to get this deal right on our homepage, and you can get that bargain. As to what things are a bargain right now at the major retailers, something that's just so in this Christmas, air fryers. Uh, I think about two Christmases ago, the big thing was the um, Instapots, and everybody was obsessed with Instapots. I can tell you that in our household, that we are obsessed with the air fryer. And we have one that gets used several times a week. And I say gets used because I really don't get it myself. I don't understand. I don't eat French fries or anything like that, but whatever. Um, The one thing I do like in it, there's some kind of air fried broccoli that we cook in it that tastes great in it but we've got a bunch of these air fryers listed on clark deals right now starting at about 40 bucks but you can get really really fancy ones actually there's one we have right now for 25 dollars it's a micro air fryer but if this is something you're into or you'd like to get for somebody on your list that's available Uh, another area that is really in this year the robot vacuums. Walmart has the best deals today on robot vacuums. They've got a Roomba for $199. They have a Shark robot vacuum for $149. And if you actually want to do the work yourself, they have a bunch of stick vacuums and things like that that are available if you don't mind pushing the vacuum yourself. But that doesn't sound like as much fun having to do the work. Um, My daughter who lives in California has named hers, her um, robot vacuum. She's named it Fenston. She cut out of paper a little shark fin 
and put it on the vacuum. And she says, okay, it's time for Fenston to go do its work. And it's funny about that with us as humans. Electronics are so cold that we try to personalize them and make them have some sense of warmth, which my daughter's done. But there's lots and lots of things that are a deal today, but very few you can be confident will be delivered to you or to your gift recipient by Christmas now. So doing curbside pickup, very important. And also local retailers have really been hurt this pandemic year because they don't have the web presence that the big national retailers have. So if you are uh, out and about, which I'm not, and you want to help local businesses survive, really think about shopping local over this next week. But if you're like me and you are trying to stay safe in the pandemic because you have pre-existings like I do, then instead curbside pickup at Target, curbside pickup at Best Buy, um, the store pickup at Walmart, those are ways that you're going to be able to keep safe, stay safe through this pandemic, and at the same time, know you have the items for Christmas. Now, Krista uh, is with us today, along with Joel. And Krista, how many vacuums oh do you have in your house? I've gotten a little crazy. I have two Roombas. I have a regular one and the, the iRobot and then the mop one. And then I have two Swiffers, a regular one, and then a Swiffer Wet. And I and I just got an amazing Dyson vacuum cleaner, the cordless with the detachable. I mean, it is the best vacuum I've ever used in my life. Like the hype is real, and I just I use them. I mean, literally all the time. Like we were just, I was telling Joel like that we in my family we were talking about what code names we'd have if we were like spies together, and they and they said mine would be Swiffer because I'm constantly running the robots and. Because we have two dogs and two cats, and I'm home a lot more, so I see it. It drives me crazy. <laughs> and, uh, Joel, are you into all these robots? Uh, no. I have one vacuum. It is a non-robot vacuum, and I have not named my vacuum. How about that? Chris, have you named any of yours? My mop is Pool Boy. <laughs> <laughs> huh. What, from Legally Blonde? Oh, that's good. Yeah, I love that movie. Best movie ever. That's like a semi-modern movie, Clark, for you to know the reference there. It's like 20 years old. That's really recent for me. That is. So it's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. And uh, Joel and Chris are going to alternate. And Joel, what are you starting with? All right, Clark, let's go to Deborah in Georgia first. She says, I've got quite a few vintage coins, and I'd like to know how I can go about assessing their value. Uh, this requires a lot of digging if you're not into the whole coin thing, and it all depends how deep a dive you want to do. And one place that people go to is eBay. If it's not really your thing, you just want to try to get some sense of value and look not at what people are asking for selling things. See what things have sold for. Uh, try to find the equivalent to the coins you have, and that will help you. In a non-pandemic time, I would tell you to go to coin shows in person and go dealer to dealer to get quotes and get values. 
But something else is there are a lot of coin clubs around the country, and you can consider temporarily joining a coin club near you, and that's where you're going to have people that are really into collecting. You're going to make contacts, and you may be able to find uh, a good price for individual coins or the collection. You also, at money.org, can find those coin clubs and find coin dealers that you can get quotes from. And good luck. The, the more time you spend at this, the better a sense of value you're going to get on those coins. Krista? John in Ohio says, how risky is it when financial institutions use your social security number as a form of ID, and no. when you call them on your cell phone, you have to give them the last four digits before they'll talk to you? So last four is really not as safe as people in the financial industry would pretend, because many times based on where you were born and your birth date, it is possible for a criminal to figure out the remainder of your social security number from having those last four digits. So it is just laziness on the part of the financial industry and the banking industry relying on the last four of your social security number, although they are considered to be a party that has a legitimate business purpose in asking for that information. I get it, asking for the last four when you establish an account or the full social when you open an account with a financial institution. I dislike this practice intently, intensely when it's done to verify identity when you're already an existing customer of a bank or other financial institution. Joel? Clark Harry in California says, when advising on choosing a manager for a 401k or an IRA, you only talk about the management fees. And that's fine if all results are equal. However, aren't some a lot better than others? Should not the net result uh, be the deciding factor when you're choosing where to go? I appreciate that question a lot. The reality is when you look at longer periods of time, uh, typically 10 or more years, the number one determinant of return when somebody's investing in broadly based funds, typically index funds or widely dispersed mutual funds in a 401k or an IRA, the key thing that, that says who's going to end up with more money at the end of the day is the fees underlying your investments, that that overrides almost any other consideration with time. And that's been proven over and over and over again that fees make the difference. Krista? Jill in California wants to know, she said, my husband's father gave him a convertible whole life insurance policy with a face value of $10,000 when he was 17 years old. My husband has been paying the small annual premium every year. He's now 57. The current total cash value is $10,660 with the fully paid additional insurance. Are there any negative tax consequences if we cancel now and cash out this policy? Is there any reason to keep it? Or should we take the proceeds and invest them? We do not need the cash. Okay. So I am stunned at what you said. So the insurance policy was issued at, at what age? 17. And now 57 years old? Yep. And the total value of the policy paying all these years 
is only increased from 10,000 to 10,660. Yep. What a rip. Okay. So what you do is if you have no need for that face amount of life insurance, which it probably will make very little difference in your life, is take out a policy loan against it, which for a policy issued that long ago should be at an interest rate very, 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 very low compared to what life insurance policies would have being issued today. And then there's no tax implications, and you just have a loan that would go against the value of the policy, and you have use of the money even though you don't need it. And then you're not having to pay on it anymore going forward. You also may have the option, not needing the money, of letting the policy pay for itself moving forward since it's money you don't need at all. But just taking the cash value may have tax implications, which is why people take out a loan against the cash value instead of just cashing out the policy. Rob is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Rob, you're going to throw me in the middle of you and your CPA? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> oh, man, you're cruel. <laughs> yeah, well, um, well, man, I'm just thrilled to talk to you, Clark. I listen to you every day. And thanks for taking my call. Certainly. <laughs> yeah. So, if, um, if I may, uh, I'm a huge fan of Roth IRAs, similar to you, and I've maxed out, you know, mine and my wife's for 20, 20 some years, however long they've been in existence. But, and I'm going to retire in about four years um, from the state of Illinois from a pension. So with, between the Roth and the pension, I, I think I'll be good. Um, last year, my CPA suggested that instead of funding the Roth IRA, I, I start funding a traditional IRA and take the 25%, you know, I'm in 25% tax bracket now, take that deduction now instead of putting it in a Roth. And what's your thoughts? Well, I would say that I respectfully disagree with your accountant because mm -hmm. the pension you'll have from Illinois, as I recall, one of the uh, things that's been much, much discussed in the media is that public employee pensions in Illinois are uh, more generous than pensions usually are. So your income will be what percent uh, in pension versus what you earn in pay right now working on the job? About 40%. Oh, it's 40%. Okay. About 40, 45%. Depends on the year. Okay. So you really will be take. you'll be getting a little less than half of your working income in pension. Right. But All right. Then, then, then I agree with your accountant. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that uh, you've been fully funding Ross. It's great you've had this massive amount of money in Ross. You do stand the potential with a pension payout that's less than half of what you're earning on your job right now, uh, meaning you're likely to have lower income in retirement than you have now, that mm -hmm. I think it is a decent choice for you to follow your CPA's idea and over these next few years before you retire that you do contribute to a traditional 
rather than a Roth. You'll already have your pile of money in a Roth that you've done all these years. You give some more flexibility in your life by having money in a traditional. The money in the traditional, you don't have to start spending till you're 72 years old under the new rules. And so you'll have maximum flexibility by having some money in the traditional and having money in the Roth, which pile you'd spend from. So I actually do support the position of your CPA in the circumstance that you have asked. And uh, I'm so glad that you have been such a determined saver, you and your wife, all these years. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. So you may or may not have heard with all the busyness of life that there's been a series of huge data breaches targeting federal agencies, including Homeland Security, targeting behind-the-scenes private sector security software, and that the Russians are apparently behind this. This is uh, state actors, apparently the Russians, who are able to spy on the inner workings of the U.S. government, our security apparatus, the rest, and also now have the keys to the kingdom to attack private industry and this is ugly because according to the financial times of london the software code is used by almost all large companies in the united states and that both they and multiple federal agencies are now vulnerable or have already been attacked by the russians and The thing that you wonder about when you hear these things, because we've heard data breach, data breach, data breach, we can get numb to them. So why in the world should you and I care? Because Russia, under dictator Putin, means nothing but trouble for us. And you know, if you've listened to me a long time, how evil I think that disgusting man is. And Instead of trying to improve the world, he only wishes to disrupt and bring harm to the United States. And so we face threats that could attack our financial system, our power grid, any of a number of facets of our national security. And so the parts that you and I can do something about are simple things. One that I think is very key is let's say that the Russians are able to take down temporarily our financial system and you can't use your since we're so plastic dependent you can't use your debit or credit cards you can't use Apple or Google pay so what are you going to do I am amazed but my uh, middle child doesn't even know how to use an ATM. She's never had an ATM card, never done anything like that. She has no clue how to do anything that would involve actual paper money. And so I've talked to her about it. 
have given her a supply of actual cash to have. And we keep on hand $400 of cash in a hidden place in our house so that if the financial system is locked down for a period of time, we have a certain amount of money we can use, even though I never use cash anymore. You want to make sure you have some. And particularly if you are of an age that you've never related to cash, I know it's an alien element to you. It's great for you to have some. In addition, I want you, even if you have turned off paper statements, to have your last statement stored in some way from your bank, checking account, brokerage account, anything like that, so that if your access to your accounts is temporarily unavailable because of an attack by the Russians or some other foreign enemy of the United States, and they take down access to real-time information on people's accounts, that you have a backup of that. As you know, I have not turned off paper statements. I get them because I want to make sure that I have proof of what I have if there was a uh, severe attack on financial record keeping that took a while to restore. Taking basic precautions are things you should do. You know, uh, foreign powers likely have the ability to bring down the power grid, at least in different parts of the country, for a period of time. And so you want to make sure that you're prepared for that. Who has a working flashlight? Who has basic things that you want to have that the way I look at those kind of things is people who live in areas of the country subject to storms, whether it's winter storms, like a lot of the country is going to experience this week, or it's um, earthquakes, or it's hurricanes, or whatever, that you have basic preparedness that covers a man-made disaster as well as the kind from nature. And I know that's not happy talk, but being prepared is always a good idea, and none of this requires that you go build an underground bunker and have six months of food or two years of food or supplies or whatever available. I'm not into that, but just basic preparedness is a great idea. It's time for your questions that you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. And do I remember right that it's Joel's turn? That's right. And Pete in Connecticut says, Clark, I've got two timeshares. They are both paid for. However, I can't use them due to a disability. At the same time, my wife's business was shut down due to COVID restrictions. Is, is there any way for me to try and get relief from the maintenance fees? So, uh, interesting question. I addressed this recently on the show about the ability for you potentially to rent out your weeks. And there are now several websites that help you rent out those weeks to hopefully cover those maintenance expenses you have uh, for those weeks. And it won't get you out from under the obligation but it will at least help mitigate the costs that you face. The second thing is uh, Timeshare Users Group, which I've talked about in the past, 
Don't know if you're a member of Timeshare Users Group for your timeshares. I would recommend it. They have a guide on how to go about trying to get rid of your timeshare. And it's all legitimate information. Be very wary of anybody who says that they are going to help you sell your timeshare for some kind of upfront money or anything like that. Those are scams. But check out the Timeshare Users Group at TUG, T-U-G for Timeshare Users Group, the number two dot net, and then go to their briefing on how you might be able to unload your timeshare. But in the meantime, I love the idea of you renting out your timeshare weeks on one of these platforms that hopefully will generate enough money to cover the junk fees you have to pay each year. Krista? Annie in Georgia says, I received in the mail $500 Humana Benefit debit card to help with health-related expenses. I called the telephone number and heard a recording of what this debit card can and cannot be used for. I also went to the website listed and read the information. Is this card legitimate or a scam? It is legitimate, and you better move quick. These Humana cards generally were issued to people who were on Humana Medicare plans, and the money has to be used by New Year's Eve. And on Humana's website, what you saw about the information about what the money can be used for is legit, and you can use it for uh, co-pays that you've had to pay, prescription drugs, and then a lot of other things that maybe normally you wouldn't have coverage for, like vision. Uh, that's why you talk to any optometrist, ophthalmologist, or optician. They are all so busy in December with people trying to spend money like this or flexible spending account money. Joel? Clark Cliff in Connecticut says, we would like to start 529 plans for our grandchildren. Maybe contribute occasionally or maybe just an initial investment and leave it grow. In prior generations, we would have bought U.S. savings bonds, but that doesn't seem feasible anymore. So I assume their parents are also going to have 529 plans for them. Is there any harm in having multiple plans? There is no harm at all, but if you trust the grandkids' parents to be responsible with uh, having the money in the 529 and leaving it alone for college, then what you do is you have uh, a donation you make or a gift you give to your kids to put in the 529 that they set up or own for the benefit of your grandkids. So the reason you want your kids to own the account for the benefit of your grandkids as beneficiary, and each grandchild has to have his or her own account. Um, the reason you do that is in many situations, the financial aid formula is more favorable to your grandchild if the 529 money is owned by the parent instead of by the grandparent. Now, in a situation where you are not so trusting of how your adult children would handle the money, then forget everything I said to this point. Own the 529 account for the benefit of, and you'd have one for each grandkid, as I said. And then what you do is you don't use any of that money till a grandchild's junior or senior year. That way you don't affect 
their eligibility for financial aid by having that money in the 529 account. Krista? This is from Phil in Kansas. What is the future of the municipal parking garage for automobiles in the U.S.? I noticed while traveling in Amsterdam that the parking garages are filled with bikes and not cars. So this is a great futurist question because with the ability of vehicles later this decade to be able to drop you off and go park in a remote area away from where real estate's really expensive and then you summon your vehicle when you're ready to go, it's going to change all the economics of parking adjacent to an apartment, office building, shopping center, or whatever else. It's going to allow for a lot more walking areas where people will be let off adjacent to where they're going, and there will be areas that will be completely protected. Like in Europe, simply because so many European cities developed before the automobile, there are these large pedestrian areas. We're going to have a new field of architecture that will start uh, appearing later this decade for the era where vehicles just drop you off instead of you having to park your own vehicle. And by the way, we're not far away from where you won't own a vehicle. You'll just summon a robotic uh, device that picks you on wheels, that picks you up, takes you to where you're going, drops you off, and when you're ready to go, you will get that vehicle as well. This is something that will be part of a very clear urban-suburban versus rural divide where in rural America, people will still own vehicles that they will operate themselves. But in urban and suburban areas, uh, as soon as late this decade, people won't have to do that anymore, which is quite a mind-blowing thing for a lot of people. Sarah is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Sarah. How you doing? Hi, Clark. I'm well. I hope you are, too. I am. And you are someone who's owned Series I savings bonds for how long? Well, I, as a child, uh, various family members bought these bonds for me over, uh, and they finally come to maturity. And I just don't know anything about bonds. Um, so and you've so had I them, they're, would... 30, they're 30 years old at this point? That's correct. Um, I wow. think I, I've just pulled them out, and I think I have one that might end up maturing next year. So That's um, awesome, because, you know, uh, if you got them back 30 years ago as a gift, um, what a gift, because the interest rates that those earn were so fantastic over the 30 years, um, because you earn two types of interest rates. You earned a base rate. And then you earn something uh, that added to them that was calculated by the rate of inflation. So there's not a lot that you could have done with a small savings kind of instrument that could have done as well as that would have done over these 30 years. So good for you. Well, thank you. I should, I guess I should thank my family members <laughs> that knew that it was a good investment. That is great. So um, do you know the whole process to cash them in? 
I don't actually know much about them at all. Um, we have various places I could put them. I, I just don't know what to do with them. So Okay. So um, as far as, as cashing them, and if you go to savingsbonds.gov, it will okay. take you to the U.S. Treasury website where you'll see how to turn them into actual money. And you can okay. always, if you end up cashing them in at a financial institution, do your own math homework. It'll be easy there to figure out what each of them should be worth. The The bond number will tell you what its current value is so that if okay. you do go to cash them in, uh, not directly with the Treasury, but at a financial institution, that they're giving you the right amount of money. What you okay. do with that money depends on what your needs are. And, I mean, if if you haven't missed the money and it's been saved all these years, if you don't have a Roth IRA, I'd love for you to look at doing a Roth IRA or increasing what you're contributing to a Roth you already have. Okay, I do have a Roth with Schwab. That would be great because you can do up to six grand a year in it as long as okay. you have earnings greater than that, and that would be a wonderful place to stash the money. Okay. I just thank you for your advice. Sure. Do you I have any other... to say... Do, go do ahead. You, I did want to ask you, do you have any debts yeah. in your life that I should be asking you about, credit cards or anything like that, that maybe uh, would I be pay- a, a better use of this money to pay those off? No, uh, we do pay our our balances at the end of each month. I do have uh, about an 88,000, 86,88,000 mortgage. That would be my only debt that I could I can think of. We own both our vehicles, so. Wow, you handle money so well. What interest rate does that $88,000 mortgage carry? I believe it's a 3.2. Yeah, so definitely the money from this, if you don't need it for any other purpose, stash it in that Roth, max that Roth, put as much in as you can, because that's what's going to give you the long-term tax-free growth. And it's always wonderful to have tax-free growth. And continued financial success to you. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.